This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello, good evening, welcome to tonight's No Name Ever podcast. Guests tonight on the show, Nathan Rogers and James Bird. Lots and lots to get through, it's going to be a really, really busy show, so we will move along at a fair pace, but we will kick off by talking about Wednesday night's game at Birmingham City. Three all draw, three equalisers for Birmingham in the second half, including a very late controversial goal that possibly came off Federico Makeda's arm. Uh, James, you were at Birmingham, actually sat next to me. It was a bit of a non-ever evening out in Birmingham. Um, what did you make of the performance? Do you think 3 all was probably a fair result overall, wasn't it? Um, not really. Uh, <laughs> we, we scored three goals, they scored two goals and put one in off someone's arm. So um, I'd say we probably deserved all three points. It wasn't our best performance of the season. I, I didn't think Birmingham were particularly very good either. Um, especially first half. I mean, they were absolutely... They created a lot of pressure, though, didn't they? Like, late in the... When it was a bit ding-dong at the end, there were... Yeah, I don't think we really caught with that very well. Late in the game, they did look a lot better. But, um, I mean, first half, they looked atrocious. Every time they got it, they seemed to break and not know what the actual aim of the game was. Um, <laughs> they, they got a bit more direct. They did look dangerous. And, obviously, it paid off them in the end, even though... If you look at any of the video or photos or, you know, anything, uh, Makeda clearly puts it in with his arm. It did look like that to me. I mean, I, I still think it's a little bit inconclusive. I haven't seen something that absolutely proves it, but I've, I think the reaction from the players was the clearest sign, wasn't it? They were all furious and they were still kicking off after the game. I mean, we were at the, the far end from it, so there was no way we could see it from in real time, but you can see from the reaction of the players that they thought something was wrong. But I, th- I think we were inviting another equaliser just with the way we were sat back so deep. Obviously, you come under pressure like that when teams are trying to get a point at home, but I thought 3 all over the balance of the second half when they caused us quite a lot of problems. I thought that was fair enough. I didn't think we really did enough to close the game out. There was a couple of chances at 3-2, wasn't there, where we could have really put them away, but never really looked like stretching that lead to two goals, which would have been crucial, I think. Yeah, I think ultimately as well, maybe the main mistake was um, late on, Sam Vokes was still the furthest man up. Uh, I think clearly he was on his 
on his sort of last legs. And he was knackered, wasn't he? Because, yeah. Yeah, it's only because Ings has gone off, but I think he's not the, the guy who, who gets replaced. So I think maybe Barnes should have been the one doing the pressing and Volk's going to drop deep to win the headers. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because you need Sam Volk's as sort of your eight ball, don't you? I mean, we were playing a lot of long ball field and trying to get Volk sold it up, but like you say, he was so tired, it just wasn't happening at all. Um, you mentioned Danny Ings going off injured. We don't really have any news on the Ings injury, I'm afraid. I think he's seen a specialist this week, so hopefully um, it will be good news and we won't have to to the rest of the season without him. But we will talk a little bit more about Ings later in the show. Of course, he did win the, the Player of the Season award last uh, last night at the Football League Awards. So we will come on to that a little bit later. Um, one final point on Birmingham, James, before we move on to the Leeds game at the weekend. Uh, the Birmingham left-back, Tyler Blackett, that's about as bad as I've seen a player play against us. It started off by putting a throw-in behind him into the stand. I've never seen anyone do that. I don't understand how he did it, even now. Yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe he wasn't quite as bad as um, we've all said since, but it, it was definitely sort of made more memorable by the throw-in. I think mean, that sort of drew your attention to him because every time he got the ball, you were expecting something equally hilarious from him. It, it was quite bad as well, though. I mean, I think um, the throw-in, it meant that the away fans were getting on the back a little bit and... I think he found it difficult to cope with yeah, that attention and he, you can tell he, he was a bit nervous. I think he struggled with the attention that such a bad error brought. I mean, he, he then nearly knocked one out when he got the pass back from a throw-in. Um, but I, I think he had to go some way to be as bad as maybe Esau Akotu at Loftus Road. Asuakosu was a, a new level of rubbish, I think that's fair. And also the, the, the home fans, it, it was quite a small crowd at St Andrews, which is unsurprising the way they've been playing at home. I think they've only won twice at home all season. But there were about 15 home fans gathered towards the back of the stand near the away end, trying to make some atmosphere. But it was so strange because they were, they were taunting the away fans, but we couldn't actually hear what they were saying a lot of the time just because... There's so few of them. It was a really odd atmosphere. I don't think I've been at a game that's been like that before. Yeah, I think also the best part of that was when they're trying to sing to Clark. Clark could give us a wave, and uh, if we can't hear them, he's definitely going to struggle picking them up from uh, across the pitch. It was incredibly odd, really, really strange. Uh, the second half, though, was an incredible spectacle. Five goals. I think three went in in the space of about 10 minutes after after Junior Stanislas came on. I'm not saying it was it was him that did all that because two of the goals were Birmingham goals, but he did do quite well for um, our third goal, didn't he, the Sam Volts goal. And um, Ross Wallace hasn't been great in his two starts since the, the game at Ewood, has he? So maybe maybe a place opening up on the wing. What do you think, James? I, I, I don't know if he's trying to goad me into... Uh... Giving <laughs> credit here or not, but he he he, he was fair. He, you know, he was decent, obviously for the third. Um, but he did show that typical junior Stanislas lightweightness in some challenges. And I think he, at one point he ducked a header, and then two minutes later he got stuck in. And you're thinking, why can't you do that every ball rather than duck out of a few of them? He is a bit of an enigma. I think we do see that all the time with junior Stanislas. We'll talk about um, that right wing, left wing slot, whichever side they're playing on a little bit later in the programme because I'm not convinced personally that um, Wallace has been worse his play since getting back into the side. But we will move on now to talk about Saturday's game. Rose's clash at Turf Moor, of course. Burnley coming from 1-0 down to win 2-1. Uh, 
Uh, second time in a week we'd done that actually after the the game at Rovers the week before. Um, Nathan, you were at the turf on Saturday, weren't you? What did you make of Burnley's performance? Um, I thought it was very. Uh, it wasn't the. It, it was just a bit frustrating to watch. I guess it wasn't our usual self from the beginning. Um, but then again, I thought Leeds had a point to prove with the two recent results, so they just came at us from the word go, really. But um, I don't know. I kind of got this mind frame where it, you know. We might have to win ugly in a few games from now the end of the season because teams are going to want to stop our little party we've got going on. So, you know. The Leeds starting lineup was quite unusual, wasn't it? Because they've, they've yeah. conceded a lot of goals recently, but started with three strikers and they were playing Connor yeah. Wickermite wide, wasn't they? It was, it was a strange way to approach the, the fixture, I thought. Well, they came, they came here with a mind to score goals against us. Um, you know, they, they wanted to put right. <laughs> the two horrendous results they'd had previously and I thought they gave it a good go first and we had a few chances go our way really with the one standing out the McCormack chance where I thought he'd pretty much buried that as soon as he picked up the ball from the dodgy back pass, uh, back pass. Um, but we got lucky again like the Rhodes incident <laughs> on Sunday. I was just about to say it's it's funny how that's happened too. twice in three games David yeah. Jones has been caught in possession and one of yeah. the best strikers in the league has gone through on goal and hit the post at crucial points in the game as well. Leeds were 1-0 up, weren't they, when that happened? Yeah. And Rovers were 1-0 up as well. So it's yeah, it's really strange. I was having an argument with a Leeds fan on Twitter earlier about uh, Danny Ings winning the Player of the Year award over McCormack. And yeah. I just said, if Ings had been playing for you, you'd have won that game. And if McCormack was a better player, you'd have won that game because if he puts that chance away, it's 2 0 and it's a long, long way back. Mm. Uh, Burnley showed real character, though, didn't it, to come back in that second half, especially when you consider that Ings was missing with that injury. And to, to be able to prove that we can win against reasonably good sides without Danny Ings, it must be a real, a real boost to the confidence for the rest of the season. Obviously, we don't know how long Ings is going to be out yet. Yeah, it was, um, it was good to see that we. we I think it was more of a point to prove to everyone else, really. A lot of other teams kind of look at us and think, oh, we're riding on our front two. But it was good to see us win without Danny Ings and, um, yeah, and to get Scott Arfield on the score sheet again. Uh, he's been outstanding. And it's good to see other players getting involved and, you know, trying to take some of the limelight. <laughs> the goals have been really well shared out, actually. Yeah. Uh, mm. Ings has obviously had a little bit of a dry spell apart from the, the winner at Ewood, but I think, I'm not sure what the stat is off the top of my head, I'll try and chase that up, but I think there's about eight or nine different players, maybe not eight or nine different players, but five or six have scored the last eight or nine goals, that sounds more more likely. Mm. And um, yeah, it's really important that players like Jones and Marnie have scored recently and Arfield as well chip in. I think Arfield's got six goals this season, we've won all those games. So he comes up with really important goals. Um, what did you make of Ashley Barnes's performance, Nathan? Obviously, deputising for Danny Ings. He's, he's not seen a lot of action so far. Do you yeah. think he's up to speed yet? I, th- I think he he was handed the greatest chance he's had at Burnley since joining us by getting a full 90. Well, not a full 90 by starting. But I, I, I was a bit frustrated by him. He, he didn't look... I mean, we bought him as a striker to score goals and he just doesn't look... You know, like he's gonna score a goal. He just, um, you know, he just doesn't look like he's creating chances or going in for chances. But his hold-up play and his work rate for the team was outstanding. Uh, but it's just them goals. I think that that's gonna win the crowd over. His 
seeing a few goals going from now until the end of the season. Maybe he'll be one of these where it just takes one to go in and then they'll mm. flow. But yeah. We'll see that from Barnes and um, the next two fixtures, Charlton and Doncaster, look like the sort of games where we should be able to put yeah. a few on score sheet. So oh, okay. hopefully we'll see a bit more from Barnes. We've got a couple of comments in from listeners. If you are listening, do join in with your comments. It makes it much, much better shot. Um, we've got Gang saying he still thinks Barnes was extremely average and Aaron says Barnes wasn't too bad at times, just a little nervous. What did you make of Barnes on Saturday, James? I thought he warmed into the game. Um, I think it's perhaps a bit harsh to expect him to come in and be outstanding straight off the bat. He's, he's not played, obviously, much for us and he's not really used to our system. And it's hard as well to expect him to do do what Danny Ings does. Um, I think what makes things so so good is the way they work together. And obviously, Bond is more of a box-type player to start with. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of adjustment there, but obviously there's plenty of games left to to allow that adjustment to happen. I don't think we're going to see much more of Danny Ings this season, to be honest. Um, even though, as many people point out, he's walking fine at the award ceremony, but I'd imagine, since we're, you know, we're pretty much guaranteed to go up, um, as it stands, you, you wouldn't really want to risk him for, for no reason for you know, to cause an extra long-term injury. I'm sure we won't rush him back unless we, we lose a couple of games and start to get a bit nervous like I say the next two fixtures you, you'd think represent a chance for some fairly straightforward wins although it will be typical Burnley to go and lose at Charlton at the weekend so won't count any chickens um, I think Danny Ings' scan is Wednesday so hopefully we'll know a little bit more about that but Burnley did do okay at the weekend so no need to panic at all is there and um, we've, we've got that goal threat throughout the side at the minute haven't we Nathan we are spreading those goals out and Absolutely. you're confident that we're going to find a couple of goals from somewhere Absolutely yeah I mean I mean, I know we, we're trying to find points to talk about and stuff but at the end of the day we got three points on the board from <laughs> what looked to be a banana skin of a fixture um, and we did that through a resilient performance and you know we had to win ugly in the end but at the end of the day points mean prizes don't they and we don't know what our prize is so <laughs> Well, absolutely. James has been talking about uh, promotion being virtually guaranteed, and like I'll say as much in an article we'll put on the site later this evening. Probably, um, are you aware, James, that if we don't go up from here, everyone is going to point and turn and say it's your fault because that's what I get when I say things like that. I'm sure, but I mean, at the same time, you just have to you just have to look at the position we're in and and what's come before this season, and there's just no way I can entertain the idea that um, we're going to get caught, particularly not by Wigan. So to the people who suggested to me on Twitter that Wigan are going to catch us, please just take a long, hard look <laughs> at something sensible and just rethink the idea that Wigan are going to catch us. Um, it's not going to happen. The thing with Wigan is is they might have won nine games in all competitions or whatever it is in a row, but they're still so far behind. They would have to win pretty much every game left they've got this season. They're 15 points behind us and they've got 12 games left. So they can only get another 36 points, which would give them 94. I think I'm doing this math on the fly. 94 would get them promoted, but they have to win every single game to get that many. So I think we can count Wigan out. Derby and QPR are obviously the threats. but You say 94 will get them promoted, but on our current form, we'd actually get 96 points. So um, they'd still be left wanted. I mean, I think someone pointed out somewhere that, you know, even if they win their two games in hand, which isn't um, by any stretch of the imagination guaranteed, 
especially with the sort of battle of the fixtures they've got coming up with those two games in there. Obviously, they've got an FA Cup game in there. Um, they do have a tough schedule. Um, sorry, FA Cup, I meant uh, Capital One. Um, but they've got a tough schedule coming up to sort of fit all that in and pick up, I think it's nine points to be level with us. So if you put into account our goal difference being sensational, they're going to need to gain 10 points on us. Mm. And I just can't see us dropping 10 points. It's a good point you make about the cup as well. I mean, I don't think anyone expects them to go to Manchester City and win last weekend, but they've got that trip to, to Wembley. I think is it Arsenal they're playing the semi-final. So even though you wouldn't expect them to win that game, after beating Man City and winning in the final at Wembley last year, they'll be confident they can get something there and they'll want to defend that title. It's so strange that we're going to defend in the FA Cup title, but that's that's the case. I think they will be in the playoffs, but I, I agree with you, James. I think they've got far too far to go. Yeah, I, um, I, to be honest, I think they'll win the playoffs. Um, hands down, they'll win the playoffs because that's all about momentum, but I just don't think they have enough to, to see them into the automatic spots from this position. No, I think they'll. I think they'll be a few points away. I don't think we really need to worry about winning, but certainly a, a fair shout for winning the playoffs. Because as you say, it's a team with momentum that tends to go up, as we saw when we went up under Owen Coyle a few years ago when we snuck in at the end after a good run of wins and just about managed to nudge our way in there. Um, just to go back to the Leeds game before we talk a bit more about promotion. Um, don't want to keep bringing him up, but Junior Stanislaus came on again, didn't he? And um, it was a decent little cameo, wasn't it, Nathan? He brought something a little bit different to the Burnley side. Yeah, I always, um, <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always like beg for Stanislas to come on because I always feel he's got, you know, he's got like like bags of pace that can just change the tempo of a game. Um, and you know, every time he comes on, I'm always like dead excited to see him. But most of the time, he just. <laughs> but kinda, you're not as excited as I am. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time, he just kind of like lets me down and you know I always end up with egg on my face after I've been telling all my friends how he's going to change the game he's going to change the tempo and he just hasn't but you know like the likes of Birmingham and Saturday I thought he did well he came on and you know got yourself stuck in the game and you know created a few chances and I'll I'll tell everyone now what Jamie looked like when uh, Junior came on last Wednesday like an expectant father at the Birmingham <laughs> <laughs> bubbling with excitement <laughs> I did warn you though. I said like, if Junior comes on, I am going to be unbearable, and I think I think I probably was. <laughs> you, you were you were squeal you were squealing like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I love Junior. He's my favourite player by a long way. It is quite interesting that Junior's got a goal in the last couple of games, though, isn't it? Because it looked like he was probably last in the line of the wingers mm. that we've got at one point, didn't it? But. Sean Dash seems to be rotating them a little bit. Like, Kitely had his run in the side when we were winning and Wallace was injured, then Wallace has come yeah. in, but Stanislas is getting the goal now. Yeah. That is probably the only place in the side, isn't it, Nathan, that's a bit up for grabs at the minute, assuming Barnes is going to play instead of Ings. Do you think there's a chance maybe of changing it up again, or is it a case that it's Wallace's shirt now? Um, I don't know. It's a hard one to call, I think. I think Sean's just making use of the luxury of being able to change in that position. <laughs> he's not had that choice really all season. So I think he's just experimenting and trying things out and giving players the chance to earn the shirt. Um, I think Walter, Ross Wallace has been a, he's been a totally different player since he's come back and he's been sensational. But I think you know the next couple of games we've got because of the you know the safety gap that we've got in the table, he can afford to kind of change things up a bit and give players a chance that he might not have done, you know, six weeks ago. So. 
it's it's early to talk in these terms as well, but um, Stanislas and Key Tracy are both out of contract in the summer, so mm. maybe Sean Dyche has got half an eye on that and just thinking, got to have another look at these guys, yeah. see if they're going to be worth the contract, especially if we go up a level. Yeah. Are they going to be a are they going to be able to contribute? And obviously, Kiteley's only here on loan for the season, although there is potential for that to be turned into a permanent deal. So these these slots out wide are pretty much wide open, so it will be interesting to see if we mix it up. I mean, I personally think when we play these teams at the bottom, Charlton and Doncaster we've got coming up, I think it's worth substituting Michael Kiteley's graft for a little bit more craft. So play... Either Tracy or Stanislav, someone who's going to bring a bit more to the party going forward because the onus is going to be on us to break these teams down. So it'll be interesting to see if Daesh has the same sort of mindset there or if he does decide to stick with what he knows, which has been Wallace and Kiteley for, for most of the season. Um, what I want to move on to now is the potential for bringing in a loan player, maybe. Obviously, this is all dependent on on what happens with Danny Ings and we all hope that he'll get the old clear and there'll be no no major problems show up on the scan that he'll go for this week. But going off the worst-case scenario, um, say Danny Ings isn't going to play again this season, just for example, um, do you think we maybe need to bring a, a loan in to, to supplement what we've got in Barnes and Volks, maybe even a, a player to replace Ings in the starting lineup, Or do you think we need to just stick with Barnes and Volks and manage with what we've got? It'd be interesting to hear what people think. If you are listening, join in as well. Um, if you're listening on Twitter, join in with the hashtag NNMPod. And if you're on Mixer, give us a shout with your comments. What what would your thoughts be about replacing Danny Ings? What do we need to do to to replace Danny? He was walking fine at the awards last night, but this scan will be crucial, you would imagine, to see how long Ings is going to be out for. We'll start with you, Nathan. What do you make of the Ings injury? And do you think we need to bring in another player to replace him? Um... I mean, I'm I'm hoping and praying through the knees like every other Burnley fan that, you know, come Wednesday we'll know and it's only, he's going to be out for two games and that'll be the extent of it. But as far as replacing, I don't think we need to worry too much. I think, I think with the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the contribution of other players like Jones and Marnie getting forward and scoring goals and Scott Arfield, you know, scoring goals, I think... I think I think we've got enough cover goal wise. You know, it, without Danny in the team, without Danny being in the team, it gives other players the chance to actually step up and, you know, take charge goal scoring wise. I guess, and you know, and Sam Box especially, it gives him all the you know all the chance in the game to score goals now. So, I think as far as bringing people in, I don't think we need to worry about that um, yet. I, I suppose it, it is a question of what happens with the scam, but. Um, if if Ings was rolled out straight off the bat, just a case of he won't play mm. again this season, then do you think that changes things? Do you think then there's a need to have someone in? Because then we're back in the position we were before we signed Barnes and there's only two strikers in the squad. And if, mm. if one needs a rest or if one's out of form or if one gets injured, then we're having to come up with another option. And there's nothing to put on to change the game either unless you've got that third option. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what, Sean Dyche keeps saying every time he gets asked the question of are you going to dip into the loan sign, you know, the loan market and all this, and he, and he always replies if if it fits in with, you know, the club's mentality and, you know, what we want to achieve, then we'll bring them in. So I, I wouldn't want to bring anyone in just for the sake of bringing anyone in. I want him to actually be productive, I guess, um, you know, and actually benefit the team, not just a panic loan, I guess, to cover numbers if Ashley Barnes gets injured, say, or... Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure Sean Dyche will, will have his have his thoughts on this, and I'm yeah. sure he's got players in mind. But you're absolutely right. It's a question of do they fit into the squad, and yeah. it's the mentality as much as the ability. And if he if it's the choice of bringing someone in who might disrupt what we've got yeah. and doing without, then I'm sure it'll make do with what we've got. We have got a couple of suggestions in from people who are listening. Um, Ryan suggests Sam Gallagher, the young Southampton striker, who scored his first goal in the Premier League at the weekend. Uh, potentially, I think I think that's a pretty good shout. Actually, I, yeah. I raised his name elsewhere. Um, a player like Gallagher who's going to play bits and bobs in the Premier League, but Southampton, are, their season's pretty much over, so he might get some minutes there. But we might be able to offer him a little bit more. It's an interesting one there. And Richard Hayworth suggests Harry Kane, the, the Spurs striker, apparently is angling for a move away to get a bit more football. Kane's had various spells in the Championship and. Done okay, but he's not particularly outstanding. Um, James, what are your thoughts on uh, replacement for Danny Ings? Firstly, I just want to bring up something that I saw on uh, Clarets Mad today. I went on for the first time in absolutely ages. Oh, I'm prepared. glad you're going to say this. I'm glad you, I forgot to mention it, so I'm, I'm glad you're going to bring it up. We get James <laughs> Rodriguez back on loan. <laughs> I've never heard anything more ridiculous. <laughs> this is a lad pushing for the World Cup squad. Um, you know, he's banging him in for, for Southampton. So just what he wants to do is go back to his childhood club and uh, see what is probably already inevitable promotion for them and probably blow his chances of going uh, on the on the point to Rio. Um, just not happening. I, I can only assume that person was pretty drunk. I, uh, I, what, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and thought they were maybe having a bit of a joke, see if they could catch anyone. But there were quite a few people replying saying... Oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Jay would love to come back. Like, why? He scored 15 goals in the Premier League this season, dropping down again. Even these if are all get promoted. No way. Why would he be interested? Uh, these are just the same sort of people we think we're going to get catch us. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's you're going to look so stupid if we're going to get promoted and we don't. <laughs> just going to look ridiculous. I, I will do, but uh, I mean, it's we not going to happen. So something would have gone. Yeah, something would have gone so so wrong. I mean, we'd have to sack Dash if that happened. We would have to sack Dash because it would have just been that bad. Um, I, I think it depends how long Ings is out. Um, to be honest, I'd, I'd probably be happy just sticking with Barnes. I, I think I said to someone the other day that you've always got the option of playing maybe Junior or Kiteley, sort of off ball, yeah. so off Barnes, and uh, play it that way. Because to be honest, I mean, from from the position now, I think ten points is enough, probably. And uh, there's no way we're not gonna not gonna pick up ten points from the games left. And obviously, we've seen recently that ninety is normally the ninety um, is normally a fair benchmark, isn't it, for automatic promotion? And we're only seventeen points short of that, so six wins from the last ten games. And I think we've won yeah. six in our last eight, so that allows uh, us it, a little bit of wiggle room. It, it massively depends, obviously, on on QPR's form. I'm no by no means seeing it as everyone else is that. A one 0 win against Yeovil suddenly a return to form. That's pretty much what you'd expect from a team like QPR at home. But um, I think you know you, you see what happens maybe on Saturday and and take it from there because obviously at that point you know how bad Ings' injury is and whether we've managed to miraculously get beat by Charlton at the Valley. Yeah, well, this this is the. This sort of stage of the season isn't it when you start looking at the other team's fixtures and uh, QPR do get that game in hand out of the way on Tuesday night this week 
away at Sheffield Wednesday, which is winnable. Sheffield Wednesday are in the bottom half, but they've been playing okay. Sheffield Wednesday, I think they won 4 1, 4 1 at home against Birmingham at the weekend. So um, they've been a bit hit and miss this season, Sheffield Wednesday, but since Stuart Gray came in to replace Dave Jones, they've been really good. So QPR yeah, can't count that up as a, yeah, as a guaranteed fair, win. Even before that, they've thumped some top sides. They thumped Reading um, early, quite early in the season. Actually, I think it might have been one of their first wins because they've been absolutely dire. And then I think it was five two against Reading. Um, so there's, there's definitely a bit of a team there. Just they don't seem to show. Certainly them. goals on the side. I think they beat Leeds six 0 in January as well, didn't they? So they have taken a few teams. I mean, Leeds have got beaten heavily by half the league this season, but there's certainly talent in that Sheffield Wednesday team. And they've got Middlesbrough away. On Saturday as well, Middlesbrough no great shakes really, but aren't conceding a lot of goals, so that would be another tricky one for QPR. And and they beat us obviously, which I think is worth a mention since there's not many teams that have succeeded in doing that. Borough that is obviously. Yeah, I'm just looking at the other fixtures as well. Actually, Derby play Forest at home on Saturday, so that's that's two really out of form sides, Derby and Forest. Really oddly, since both played at the turf, they've both been in terrible form. I don't think either of them have won. And in the case of Derby, I don't think they've scored the four without even a goal, Derby County. So they've put that game on telly. I'm not sure why, because they've both been really, really bad form. Obviously, local Derby in the East Midlands, but Derby will need to get a win to, to stay in touch there. But as James says, it, it's virtually sewn up, so... Hopefully we'll have a, a promotion special at some point in the next few weeks, but we're not cutting yeah. any chickens. We've got I, to get those points on the board. It's worth it's worth mentioning. I think there's a very very strong chance we could get promoted on TV at Blackpool. Mm. Um, you think the Blackpool game? I think the Blackpool game could be the one. I, I've actually said I've broken a hiatus of, of uh, uh, commenting on Clarets Mad today because someone's criticised David Jones for being a back pass merchant or something. Um, and someone said they think Wigan's more important than Leicester because we need to not let them win. I've commented just saying we'll be up before we play Wigan. So I think that's that's an, I think Wigan could be the the one. I think if Wigan are going to be the team that are nearest. I think by then I think they'll still be a fair way away. But I think mean, if we win the Wigan game, that'll put them out and probably be enough. Hopefully, it will all be done by the last day of the season anyway, because Reading away looks quite tricky, especially with the fact Reading are going to be in the mix for a playoff place. They might need a result to get into that top six. But you look at the, the games we've got left, like Charlton and Doncaster, the next two. The way we've been playing, you've got to say that's that's going to be four points at least, maybe even six. I mean, we'll do predictions a bit later in the podcast, but you wouldn't expect us to lose either of the games, would you? And then it's Leicester at home and one of the questions we've had on the on the, the um, on the chat today is, do you think we can catch Leicester? And if we win the next two games and have Leicester at home, I suppose that becomes a possibility. Why why not aim to win the title? You've got to try and chase someone down. Yeah. You don't want to be the hunted, do you? Uh, you, you got, you've got to aim for it definitely. But I think um, really, if we were to to catch them, we could have really done with someone taking a you know a couple of extra points off them in the last couple of games. But obviously they've got four on the bounce now, which is a uh, Really bad news for us in in trying to catch them. Leicester are obviously in excellent, excellent form, but you never know. I I think it was last season, wasn't it, that they bottled it a little bit. And you've got to say they're pretty much home and horse now with a 17-point cushion and a seven-point gap towards with a game in hand as well. But 
you never know. And um, they play at Blackburn on Saturday, so we could actually do with Rovers doing a little bit of a, of a favour there and get results. Yeah, I mean, it, it's annoying because you'd, you'd like to think that if they'd come to the turf sort of just four points ahead of us, um, you'd really fancy beating them and, and you know, really running it right down to the wire. But, um, you know, without them having already dropped three points, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a big ass from here. Yeah, I mean, that gap is seven points, but um, Leicester's game in hand, is that the one next week? No, we're playing next week as well, but yeah, they've got some pretty straightforward-looking fixtures on paper, especially the way they've been playing, so you would expect Leicester to take the title, but I absolutely agree. I think we've got to try and hunt them down. Um, Nathan, what are your thoughts on Leicester? Do you think they're catchable, or do you think it's just a case of making sure we get second at this stage? Um I think it's a mixture of both. <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I w- I'd love to be able to catch Leicester, but they're just a, a sensational outfit at the moment. I mean, they're pushing teams aside that they should be, like Blackpool, you know, they went one goal down and they just came back and, you know, turned them over like they should be doing. And I think our focus is just securing that second place and just picking up the points that we need to really, like these next two games, you know, as being a... to really the sides that do go up and, you know, do go up automatically are the sides that just brush aside opponents like this. Um, and we need to do that. I think we need two comfortable wins going into the Leicester game to give us the best chance against them, I think. so. I think you're absolutely right. Um, although I, just, I did just say I'd be quite happy with the four points from the next two games. Yeah. You've got to say, two teams fighting relegation. You do get shots at this stage of the season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't predict the results, but you would expect us not to lose yeah. and pick up at least one win out of those two um, we have had lots and lots of comments to go through from people who are listening especially suggesting possible signings They're always a topic that gets people going um, let me just find where they are um, Gag said just someone with pace I think that's fair Barnes not really looked up to speed yet but I suppose that'll just come with fitness I'm sure he'll, he'll get there and uh, Ryan immediately suggested the Murphy brothers at Norwich who are rapid I don't really know too much about them but I think probably young players at Premier League clubs that haven't had a lot of football this season are uh, more likely Dakery says we could always get Lionel Messi on wall which is probably about as, suggest- as sensible a suggestion as Jay Rodriguez <laughs> Richard's got a couple from West Brom that he's thrown into the mix Scott Sinclair and Saido Berahino yeah. who have both been in and out of their side uh, Berahino especially um, he's played a little bit Barrino, but I can't imagine West Brom a team at the bottom I don't know if they'd be loaning out players especially attackers when they're going to need goals to stay up um, suggestion that Nicholas and Elka might fancy it probably wouldn't fancy it <laughs> he tried to retire didn't he earlier in the season so yeah, pro- probably not Nicholas and Nelka. And we've also had a question asking about, oh God, I, I was hoping we weren't going to have to do this, but um, a question asking about the Dulwich Hamlet striker, Erhun Oztuma, <laughs> is perhaps how you say his name. Um, I think he's on trial at the club and haven't heard anything either way. Uh, the Dulwich manager seemed fairly upbeat and thought there was a chance of him getting a deal, but... Um, I'm not sure if we could even do that at the minute um, just because of the, the transfer regulations. I'm not sure how that stands when someone's contracts to somebody else and unless we could do a loan, I don't think that one could get done. That would probably be one to keep an eye on for the summer. But yeah, no news on that and don't make me say his name again, please. <laughs> I'm actually quite hoping we don't sign him. <laughs> but yeah, in Elka especially, I don't think we'd be going after him because he's banned, isn't he, after the, the Quinell thing. 
So yeah, probably not Nicholas and Elka. Keep your suggestions going though. I, I really like rubbishing people's ideas. So keep them going and we'll try and be polite. Um, looking ahead to Saturday then, Charlton away. Charlton bottom of the league until the weekend when they climbed off the bottom. But they've got the new manager. Do you think that's going to play any role, James? They've replaced Chris Powell with um, the, the chap from Standardly Age, didn't they? Um, to be honest, I'd People always talk about managerial changes, sort of psyching people up. I think it's more of a case when someone's just gone out um, than when someone new comes in, and I, I don't think it'll matter. The good news, the really good news, though, is that obviously this previous encounters um, can't be deemed negative. Um, <laughs> we haven't got a losing streak or something like that at Charlton, um, so I'm glad that this weekend I won't be accused of being negative for stating fact. <laughs> I've been enjoying people shouting you down for being negative when um, your previous encounters column is just statistics and telling people what has happened. So, yeah, there's not much you can do. But we do get accused of being negative fairly regularly at Norn and Ever. It's gone quiet more recently because even I haven't had anything to whinge about apart from Junior not being in the team. So <laughs> we always try and be balanced. Um, while I'm on that point, actually, we've had a couple of new writers email us in the last week or so just asking how you go about um, contributing to the site and basically it's really easy with pretty much an open door policy um, want as many people involved as possible especially if we get promoted when there'll be so much more to write about um, so all you need to do to get started is just drop us a line either email uh, blog at knowingandever.net or you can tweet us at knowingandevernet as well and um, just let us know what sort of thing you want to write and we'll get you up and running as quickly as possible. We always give lots of good feedback on your writing as well. So um, if you are interested in taking part or indeed coming on the podcast as a guest, anything that you want to help um, run the site because it is a lot of work for us, um, just just give us a shout and we'll, we'll get you set up and... Um, the more people that contribute, the better the site will be for next season, which should be belting, shouldn't it? Four years we've been doing the site, James, and doing none and ever in the Premier League. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, uh, I'm not even saying if it happens, it'd be good. It's going to be good when it happens. So, uh, <laughs> no, that'd be, that'd be something to look forward to. Obviously, you'd think uh, hopefully even more people want to write and put their opinion across, um, particularly, obviously, if we get a good start to the start of the season your previous encounters are going to be quite interesting aren't they because I, I can't imagine we've beaten <laughs> teams like Manchester City I can't imagine that's going to be a particularly good previous encounters column you're going to be accused of being quite negative fairly often I, I imagine know, doing that column next season I might have to shelf it or, or just <laughs> a version where I only recap on previous Burnley wins <laughs> I would definitely read that but at least there'll be a change from writing about Barnsley all the time. Like you must I'll, be sick of doing the Barnsley. Of like, um, here's when we thump them. <laughs> just just go for all the drumming. Yeah, it might be a bit difficult to find the information on games from like the 1950s. Yeah, might not be that straightforward. Uh, just one more thing, actually, on uh, people contributing to the site as well. Um, we had um, a direct message actually on Twitter suggesting. Well, it wasn't suggesting that there was a chap wanted to know how to set up the Burnley team on Football Manager 2014, the way Sean Dash plays it. And um, 
I thought it was a bit of a joke, actually, and I was like, are you serious? You want us to try and give you advice on that? But I am going to write an article about it. So <laughs> if you have any ideas for stuff you want to see on the site, also get in touch and we will um, see what we can do because that's often where a lot of the best ideas come from and especially repeating features that we can do all the time. That's something really useful. So, yeah, get in touch. Um, blog at knownandever.net is the email address and our Twitter address is knownandever.net if you are interested in um, getting involved with Known and Ever. Um, and we don't bite, honestly. We're all dead nice and um, don't slag anyone off and be nice about what you write and all that stuff. So please don't be shy if you are nervous about getting involved. Just write something, send it in, and uh, we'll get cracking. Um, looking ahead to Saturday then, um, we spoke briefly about Charlton, but we'll do some predictions before we do round off for the night. Um, actually, Danny Ings, we need to talk about Danny Ings, don't we? Of course, one player of the year last night. Um, Well-deserved, I think. Kevin wrote a very good article on the side today about Danny Ings and saying it was exceptionally well-deserved. What, what do you make of the award, James? Were you a bit surprised that he won, or do you think Ings was the, the most obvious candidate? Um, I think he, I think you'd say maybe on, on his all-round game, he was probably the best candidate there. Um, though I hadn't seen a lot of drink water, to be honest. So I hadn't paid a lot of attention to him. But I think against, you know, McCormack, who, you know, just scored a lot of goals, but... Um, I'm just not as impressed by him as uh, sort of Danny Ings all around. McCormack, of course, has scored more goals, hasn't he? But it's I, I think he misses more chances. We had um, the chap from Elite United blog whose name I can't remember at the minute. I'm hoping Adam's going to furnish me with those details in a second. But he, he produced some statistics suggesting that McCormack actually got more shots on target as a percentage of his efforts. Um yeah, the scratching shed, that's right. The scratching shed is a Leeds United fan scene and it's the chap from there who suggested McCormack deserved it more than Ings. And his case was basically um, that Ross McCormack has, has basically been Leeds' main player this season, sort of like Rhodes at Blackburn and scored the goals that's kept them afloat almost. Leeds maybe had been in danger of going down if um, McCormack hadn't scored so many goals, but... Nathan, I don't know what your take is on the Player of the Year award last night, but my view is Ings has elevated us to another level as well, and that's getting promoted. Surely that's more noteworthy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, we've got to give credit to Danny Ings, what he's achieved. You know, he's got to remember that he's 21. Um, You know, for a 21-year-old to accomplish what he's done in such a short space of time at a club, you know, he just seems like, he feels like he's been here forever. You know, he just feels a part of the club, and, you know, he feels... You know, like he he is a Burnley fan and he plays for the shirt and for the club and for the fans. So, I think the award was just truly deserved of what he's achieved this year. And you know, he's he's got to be very, I think, very very proud of himself for what he's done. And and I hope he, you know, I hope he, he takes across. Sorry, sorry, carry on. I say I hope he takes this win, you know, winning that award and takes it to the next level for the remainder of the season. You know, providing he, you know he's fit and ready to play and. You know, I think this will just take him to the next level and just let him keep going and going and going and going. I, ho- I hope we do see him again this season because yeah. I'm sure we will get promoted but even without him, but it would be nice even if he only comes on for five minutes at the end of the season just so we mm. can all show our appreciation for yeah. for what a tremendous job he's done this season. And the thing about Ings to me, he just seems so down to earth and yeah. so humble. He just seems like he's not letting any of it go to his head. He just seems incredibly no. grounded. Uh, he just seems like a normal guy. Always... I know you can't judge too much off off um, 
people on the pitch and even things like the Twitter profiles. But Danny Ings just seems absolutely spot on to me and a great ambassador for the yeah. club. And hopefully, hopefully we'll um, see him in the Birmingham shirt for many years to come. Although I imagine that will depend on us being able to to move on in um, the sort of fashion that that he would want. Because I, I personally think Danny Ings is a future England international so it would be great to see Ings in an England shirt representing Burnley as well um, there was a story that um, we were unsure whether to do this or not but um, yeah I, I don't think I'll mind us telling you Andy Devaney a, a known and ever contributor a big fan of Danny Ings of course predicted he's going to score 40 goals this season and probably won't now unfortunately because of his injury but and- Andy had sadly been quite unwell and um, Andy's mother actually wrote a letter to the club um, informing Danny Ings that, that Andy had not been well and Danny wrote a really nice letter in reply um, it did sort of come across like Andy was actually a child rather than a grown man in, in the letter but it, it was incredibly sweet that Danny took the time out to to do that and that's just another example of the, the kind of bloke he is and we also of course the, the picture that went a bit viral when he was Kissing the young, the yeah. young um, supporter on the sideline as well. So, absolutely well done to Danny Ings. Absolutely, absolutely top man, fully deserved. Can't compliment him highly enough, and hopefully he'll be a, become a Burnley legend to follow on from that goal at Ewood, which of course writes his name in Burnley history. So, yeah, Danny Ings, well done from everyone at Nona and Ever. I'm sure he doesn't listen. He's probably got better things to do, but well done anyway, Danny Ings. We will round off with some predictions then <laughs> before we end the show for the day. Um, Charlton and Doncaster's after after the next podcast, isn't it? So yeah, just Charlton's to do um, tonight. James, we'll start with you. Predictions for Saturday, Charlton away? 6-0. <laughs> Six, didn't you predict was it last week you predicted 11 nil or something <laughs> no that wasn't me, that wasn't me. <laughs> somebody else that. 6 6-0 six, 6-0 nil. Six, six, nil. Um, then everyone will be saying you're right we are going up <laughs> right okay Nathan we'll move on to you then Charlie um, are you as confident as James with his 6 nil? I'm confident we'll win but I don't think we'll win by that margin I think it'll be a I think it'll be a 3-1 kind of game I think they'll come at us from the beginning and score a goal and we'll come back and demolish them from then on. So, I hope you're both right. I'm confident we'll get a result against Charlton. And, um, if you're not going to the game, I'm sure there'll be a, a big London Clarets contingent as ever at Charlton. But if you're not making it, we will have known in ever live as always, starting about half past two on Saturday. And I think I'll be in charge of that one. So, um, yeah, get make sure you're on the site for that we'll have uh, reminders going out on Twitter and Facebook and all that make sure you do follow us on Twitter if you don't already um, giving out the address that a few times already but it is at no no never net if you've got any feedback about the podcast any ideas for what we could be doing to make it better please do get in touch you can email us as well blog at no no never dot net but that is about all we've got time for tonight thanks to everyone who's listened everyone who's joining with the comments always very much appreciated thanks as well to James and Nathan for joining me this evening uh, I've been Jamie Smith we'll be back the same time next week thanks for listening Good night. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.